Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new season of Unapologetically Anxious Me, Confessions of a Haitian Girl in Small Town, Minnesota. I'm your host, Joe, and I am back with my husband, Lana. Hey, hello, everybody. And I am just ready to just talk about all the things that have been going on over like the last few months, probably like the last almost year or so it's been very rocky we haven't had a consistent schedule and i am back and i am ready and excited to be back because i am officially done with my book and the book is out now unapologetically anxious me the book is actually out on amazon right now in both ebook and paperback the ebook version i believe is 9.99 and the paperback version is 14.99 so if you are a fan and want to know a little bit more about me, a little bit more about us as a couple, our lives yes. and the things it is that very revealing. Um, the things that we really just go through on a regular basis, unapologetically anxious me is the book. It is a very raw and open, honest story that I have always known that I wanted to do, and I am excited that we are actually in the process of now promoting it and talking about it. This is probably, I've spoken to other authors who are self-published who have gone through this process, and they have just told me that this is the part that is fun, the part that like everyone looks forward to because you've done the heavy lifting. I have decided that I'm probably never going to do a project like this that is so like personal and revealing ever again. I went through so much mental health wise. It was definitely intense. Yeah, I mean, it, it was like an intense journey, just getting through the writing, getting through the process of putting it all together. The professional side on that and also put just the technical side I've learned that I am not a technical person and (laughs) so self-publishing was really grueling for me I had to have a lot of hands shout out to Maria Thompson from the Inclusion Network who is just an amazing friend and just have been a great colleague that I'm just getting to know and has jumped in last minute and has helped me get through so much of the self-publishing process dealing with Kendall Direct Publishing. If you are an author or have written before you probably know a lot about this so that's probably something I will talk more about later on. I don't plan on making this my only project or book. I plan on definitely doing a lot more books like this but I think it'll definitely be focused more on mental health on a general perspective versus me and my life. I'm just really appreciative. Thank you so much to the people who have supported me and have already ordered books. I've already had a lot of great feedback and people are just, this just dropped like a, what, three, four days ago. Yeah. So it's really been nice. And, um, It's been exciting for sure. I I think when I start these episodes, I do an anxiety check and I talk a lot about mental health in general, but that's pretty much my book. That's pretty much the whole process that I had to go through. And I think a lot of the therapy and the things that I've invested into my mental health over the last few years went a lot into just me writing it, me 
putting it together, going through that process. And I think it all prepared me for those moments because it was really, really emotionally draining. I found myself a lot more anxious about family and things like that than I was anxious about promotion or you know sales or stuff like that like those are all things that comes with the territory of being a new author and having a book and promoting it and trying to get it out there it's definitely a different experience than I thought I was going to have but I think you as my husband you have a very unique perspective as well because you are part of the story you are a big chunk of it so how has it been just going through that with me and reading things and now it's in a book I don't think either of us have fully sat down and read the final book so I've been through so many different editing processes it's really hard for me to like fully remember or have an idea on what the final story has been so I think that's something I'm going to actually experience with everyone else I want to like sit down and read it in my hand. I think that was such a cool experience receiving the first copy of the book. It was so freaking cool and it just felt so surreal. I've been published before in magazines and blogs and things like that. Yeah, like I've even had like the show and things like that. But the book though, that just feels like on a whole nother level definitely feel a little naked (laughs) out here and um and that's a that's a weird experience I think at the end of the day if you read my story I think what I've always wanted is to be real with people and to give them an outlet to also be themselves to also be real and to also accept that life is has its ebbs and tides and it's it's not always free-flowing and it's not always easy and romantic and beautiful all the time but there's so much beauty in the imperfections of it and and just accepting your story and being okay with sharing that because I think that one of the things I kept realizing is just how hard it is for people to be vulnerable Here's a selection from my book where I talk about growing up Haitian American. This should go without saying at this point in case you've continued to miss the subtle hints. I love being Haitian. The music, the food, the storytelling, the art and overall vivaciousness of the culture is like no other and my entirely humble and honest opinion. I can still remember once waking up early in the morning and catching my mom and dad amid an intimate compas dance as they floated around the kitchen completely lost in each other's eyes. I marveled at the way my mother's hips whined and swayed while my father's arms wrapped around her effortlessly like a silk ribbon. I dreamed about doing the same someday with my husband. At Wano in my house today, that's just called Thursday. Having so much pride in my Haitian heritage, as a child growing up in the 90s in Florida, I struggled to understand why Americans, predominantly African-American kids, would often make fun of us. It was typical on any given day to be asked if your family ate cats and dogs 
or why did your parents dress funny or had an accent. It was one of the first forms of bullying I experienced in my life, and it affected the way I looked at myself and my community for years to come. The mainstream media's understanding of what Haiti and Haitian culture looks like has always been from the perspective of the colonizer. I can remember feeling hurt and angry when kids would say that Haiti and Haitian people were dirty, smelly, and poor. They imagine our world to be nothing but scarcely dressed children with bloated bellies from eating mud pies and being malnourished. On the contrary, the Haiti I know and experienced with my family, who were of the island, could not be more different. Haiti is rich with culture. Brilliant, powerful-minded people who possessed an ancestral pride and passion in who they knew themselves to be not at all what the world saw of them or thought they understood. As my school years became more permanently bound in Florida, so did the bullies that regularly made fun of me. They were usually black American girls who despised me for simply being me. Too white, too small, too squeaky, too goody-goody, etc. As I got further into my teen years, my bullies came from all backgrounds. Whether it was mostly white, rich beach kids, the kids in the hood, or even other Haitian kids who joined the ranks of bully or be bullied. It's so freeing, it's so therapeutic and I think I've evolved and grown more in just these last few months of putting this together than I have over my entire adult life of being a professional writer, career person, whatever it was that I was pursuing at the time. This has been probably one of the biggest things that's happened to me and feel like the most real since having children and being married yeah in a way I like birthed this you know it's my baby it is and I'm really proud of it it took a lot of soul searching to get to this moment and I encourage anybody who is on that same journey who's thinking about doing it who is wanting to self-publish definitely let me know send me emails feel free to send me an email at unapologeticallyanxiousme at gmail.com and I want to hear from you and know what it is that you're experiencing that I'm still in the process of experiencing this and I'm making it up as I go. <laughs> <laughs> it's new. This so, is you know, new experience yeah, me. a lot of this you're experiencing too. This is Just your story. Just enjoy the moment. Yeah, but this is your story too. Here's a selection from my book where I talk about the importance of dance in my life. At 17, I attended the wedding of a family friend with my mom. Lano and I had just started dating a couple months before that, so no adults in my life knew about our relationship yet. He also attended the wedding, and though my mom was not cool with me dating, she knew I could not resist a good compa jam. So when Alan Cavez Sepapudat came on, I made my way to the dance floor, and as if he knew I'd be there, Lano met me in the middle of a crowded floor. 
It was the first time I danced compa with a boy. Everything and everyone in that room melted away, and it was just him and me. I'd never had anyone hold me like that, move with me like that, as if our bodies were now one. That look in his eyes put a spell on me. It wasn't until the song faded to the end did I notice we had cleared the dance floor as the whole room watched. Little did I know I'd spend a lifetime clearing the dance floor with him. On the way home, my mom asked, who taught you to dance like that? Impressed she noticed, I smiled and said, who do you think? Even in the darkness of the night's drive, I could see a smile spread across her face. Fun fact. I used to be a competitive ballroom dancer. In the spring of 2005, I was itching to try something new. Couldn't tell what came over me, but one day I just walked into a random ballroom dancing studio that was not far away from my house. I'd done all kinds of dancing throughout my life. Even going to a performing arts school, I was given many opportunities to explore different art forms. Though I majored in strings, having played the violin from sixth grade all the way through high school, it was something I mostly did because my parents liked it and my best friend was also part of the orchestra. But ballroom dancing was different and something I'd never seen anyone doing. From the moment I took my first dance lesson, I was hooked. I competed for almost four years locally in South Florida before I had to choose between it and completing college. Still, it was one of the best times of my life and I hope one day to return to the dance floor. How are you feeling in terms of like just having this out there? Well, for me, you know, I, I can't lie, you know, I, I, I felt just like you said, you feel naked. <laughs> Everyone can see <laughs> into your life, and they just even though it's, it's you know the book shares so much of it, it's still just a microscope. Mm-hmm. It's just a small little speck of our lives of everything we've actually been through. So it's a small speck of little, a collection of little series of events that you can kind of piece together and see a fuller picture obviously we ain't out here putting our whole lives but you know i think it was important for us to share the things that i think that really solidified us as a couple and that solidifies me as a person Um, at the end of the day this was my story my perspective i definitely think in the future you will hear something from both of us you know in that sense where you will see both his and I's perspective um, in writing, maybe we will definitely play with that idea because I think that that's something I've always wanted to do is have a project in that sense or a book where two perspectives are being told on the same exact story. And I think that those are such a nice journey to go through and experience, I think, for readers and people who just really love literature and love to read about life and other people's lives. And I'm, I'm definitely a autobiography person who loves to read things like that about people. And it's like you're talking to me <laughs> in a way and you're in my head. You get to kind of go through my crazy anxious world which is 
I'm so proud of. I love being in it and I I think that you will enjoy that experience as well. I sure have. We are on the topic since we are already talking about mental health we have a lot of things where mental health has been popping up into the conversation where right now with Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka and people within the Olympics and these major athletes who are actually prioritizing their mental health over their sport or their job which a lot of people seem to have like a big issue with it's insane that we put such a toll and if this were like her physical health and like she physically could not do this which she's saying essentially too she's saying like I can't do this physically or mentally right now we just don't prioritize or feel like mental health is important enough to be taking precedence over the Olympics or a major sport or what people feel like this is what you were there to do. That's how they did Kyrie Irving. something that should be prioritized now it's something they didn't care about back then or definitely didn't think that it was important for athletes because they're just supposed to suck it up you know mm-hmm. have that mental toughness as they say they're supposed to have yep. and just go out there and compete but you have to take care of your mental though i came across something that was actually pretty interesting And it was about a woman named Elena Mukina, and she was a 1978 woman gymnast world champion. And she actually ended up, she broke her leg and was not permitted the appropriate time to heal. The Soviet gymnastics coaches pressured doctors to remove her cast early so she could start training for the 1980 Olympics. She protested heavily as she knew her leg was not properly healed and would not withstand the growing training regimen typical for her sport. Trainers and coaches dismissed her concerns and forced her to continue her training. So while practicing the Thomas Salto, it has since been banned being so dangerous, she under-rotated due to her newly weakened leg and she landed on her chin. She broke her neck, which rendered her quadriplegic for the rest of her life. And she was 20 years old at the time and died at 46. So I think what's insane is we're in a time where we are actually aware of the pressures that athletes are experiencing as well as how their mental health could also be a big part of that as well. And so right now, Simone Biles, Naomi, they're giving a voice to a place where women haven't had a voice or athletes in general haven't had a voice to actually talk about like, hey, there are vulnerabilities in this too. While I am an athlete, I'm not a machine. I'm still a human. I'm still allowed to have weak moments. I'm still allowed to have moments of not feeling like I am at my best or that I'm ready for a specific situation and them withdrawing from these specific competitions and taking the time and prioritizing their mental health and their physical health to take care of themselves is something that I think we should be honoring and we should be continuing to encourage our other athletes to do the same. Mm -hmm. That's why like 
Shout, shout out to Simone. She got the bronze medal too. Yeah, she did. Balance beam. It's like here in America, we don't celebrate bronze and silver medals either. Just placing. It's all about the gold. It's mm-hmm. all about the gold. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that that, that was our mentality. We don't place. even like, think about the fact that how much work it takes to even get there, to even like get any placing whatsoever. So like. The fact that we're undercutting it as if we here who are sitting on our couches and just <laughs> hitting our remote controls and looking at and making these judgments have any room to speak about what these people go through on a daily basis to be on that stage, to be on that TV screen and to sit there and be submitted to your judgment where you know barely 1% of what it takes to be in that lifestyle. I wanted to just pop in and have this quick conversation with you guys. I really want to encourage you to go and read the book and order it now. It is such a big experience for me and such a thing that I I am so excited to be sharing with you guys. I feel close to everyone who is my listeners who have been following me for the last few years and it's been such a nice ride so far. If you have read the book, definitely pop in on Amazon and leave me a review. Leave me a review on my Facebook page or um, Unapologetically Anxious Me's Instagram, wherever you are, definitely go and comment and just let me know what you're thinking, how you're feeling, and I'm always excited to hear from you guys because it's definitely probably the most rewarding part about doing this and having this platform. Thank you for everybody who's been on the journey, who's been on the journey this entire time, like the ride or dies. Yeah, and it's it's been... Yeah, it's been you that's kind of kept this going along and whether I'm listen I'm talking to one person or 5000 people or more it it feels great to actually be able to say what you're feeling and to be able to take you along on these rides and this is just one of many I am sure and I, it's just the beginning i'm so excited (laughs) so um unapologetically anxious me the book out on amazon.com right now let me know what you are thinking and thank you so much for stopping by and listening bye